Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 Week 13 Waiver Wire Pickup Power Rankings, plus a few defensive streams for the playoffs so you can start stashing away on your bench, and some strategy for the playoff season-long fantasy football of what you should be doing with your roster to maximize your advantages right now before... The other people in your league start paying attention to this stuff? I mean, most people just wait until now it's week 15 to 17, but it's like, oh, week 14, better start looking out. If you know you're going to the playoffs, you should probably get on top of this right now. Some golf picks towards the end of the show as well, plus the full injury report. And if you're looking for the cheat sheet for both the injuries, which will remain updated once statuses become more clear, and the running back snap count cheat sheets, both of those are available in the Mayo Media newsletter. It's also just a link. You can find that down in the description. Smash the like button of the episode, sub to Mayo Media Network, and the Listener's League link for DraftKings this week. Only 2,500 spots, but that is now available down in the description as well, so please go reserve your spot right now. And I still have those three winners to give away for the Apple Pat Mayo Experience audio review giveaway. You have two more days to do so. I put that link easy down in the description for you. Rate it five stars. Say something kind about the show. Leave your Twitter handle or email address so I can contact you if you are a winner. And we'll be giving those out on the Spread Pick Show this week. So good luck to everyone. Three, you're going to get $100 in cash. If you're watching this before, Monday Night Football, hit up Mayo Media Network. Laquan Jones has the Monday Night Football Props and DraftKings Showdown Show. If you just want to run some optimal I did that for myself with a few adjustments. Uh, go to runthesims.com. Runthesims.com slash mayo. The showdown generator is the best in the biz. We'll run the game 10,000 times and just give you a bunch of optimal lineups. I adjusted the score of Washington to win in this game just to see what that would look like. Uh, had a lot of DJ Dallas, had a lot of Terry McLaurin pop out in the optimal lineups for me. So uh, if you're going to go on to that, that's probably the move for this week. But let's jump into it. Running backs. A lot of injuries at running backs, good running backs as well. So here's what we're dealing with. Uh, Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey both go down. Uh, what we've heard from Dalvin Cook is that it's a torn labrum. He was carted off, probably not season ending, but he's probably not going to play for a while either. Alexander Madison, hope he kept on to him. Christian McCaffrey, not really sure what's going on with him. It seemed like he could have come back into that game against the Dolphins. Maybe they were down by too much. Maybe they were trying to protect him. He was spotted in a walking boot after the game. But they now say that it's not like super duper serious. He could play this week. So I have no idea what's going on with that situation. The thing to know is that Amir Abdullah was playing well over Chuba Hubbard in that game. Uh, again, you can go check out the snap shares for all of that. That's completely updated right now into the newsletter. But just taking a look at it, Amir Abdullah played 50% of the snaps overall. And that was even with Christian McCaffrey playing 35% of them. 19 snaps for McCaffrey, 27 for Abdullah, only 11 for Chuba Hubbard. So it was a lot of Amir Abdullah in that game. Now, now, I don't know if that's because they were trailing the entire time. They wanted their better pass-catching running back in the game. Had they been winning in that spot and McCaffrey was out, would it be Chuba Hubbard? I'm not from the future. I'm not Matt Rule. I don't know. I'm not even Joe Brady. I don't know how this works. Uh, so I'm just giving my best guess on this, and they're indicating right now that Amir Abdul is a much larger part of this offense uh, than Chuba Hubbard, who I guess they've seen enough of at this point. We get to next week, McCaffrey doesn't play. Maybe it's Hubbard all day. I'll discuss this more with Jake on the ranking show as you know, I'm going to have to eat, not necessarily eat crow on Eli Mitchell. I like Elijah Mitchell. Jake loved Elijah Mitchell, and he really made a point to say that. So it's going to have to be like, Jake, you were right. 
I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's most weeks anyway. But this one in particular uh, was a pretty big one. DeAndre Swift was injured with a shoulder injury on Thanksgiving Day. Exit of the game. He could play this week. He was listed as day-to-day. So Jamal Williams is obviously the primary handcuff there. But just keep an eye on him moving forward. Zeke might get a rest on Thursday night. Mike McCarthy is also out of this game with a positive COVID-19 test. Amari Cooper should be eligible to come back. They're having a COVID outbreak uh, with the Dallas Cowboys right now. And you know, again, they play on Thursday night. So we're going to know all this information before you, know, you have to set your lineups for the rest of the week. But just be very cognizant of that moving forward. Keep an eye on Zeke because it could be Tony Pollard time. But if it if Zeke does play, is he going to play a full complement of snaps? Just looking back to the Thursday game, it was, where are you at, Dallas Cowboys? Dallas towards the very bottom of the list here. Zeke played 43% of the snaps. Pollard played 43% of the snaps. And Pollard really looked a lot better uh, than Zeke did in that game, as he does most weeks. But it's usually in you know, with Zeke handling over 20 touches and Pollard coming in for 10. The guy who's the backup who comes in fresh against the beat-up defense usually going to look a lot better than the guy who's having to sit there and pound the rock between the tackles the entire game to beat down the defense. So uh, it was an interesting situation with them um, last week, but Pollard's probably the play over Zeke at this point, although we could probably get into a situation like Thursday where Pollard does most of the damage, then, oh, we're at the one-yard line, Zeke time, and just kind of kills both of them. That would not be fantastic news for anyone. Uh, Miles Sanders did not play a snap in the fourth quarter. It was all Boston Scott. Obviously, Jordan Howard missed the game for the Eagles as well. However, there's beat reporters now saying that Miles Sanders was injured, although that doesn't seem to be reported anywhere else maybe they're right maybe he was just benched I have no idea what's going on with Miles Sanders but this is one of the reasons why you don't ever want to trust Miles Sanders because stuff like this ends up happening even when they were on like the goal line towards like the end of the first or the end of the first half that it was still Boston Scott in the game and they're using Kenneth Gainwell out of the backfield for all their passing downs like they're committed to using three running backs plus Jalen Hurts it's a lot like the Ravens backfield where you just can't trust anyone outside of the quarterback at least Devonta Freeman we saw Sunday night got the plurality of the snaps he was the one actually doing things and touching the ball I mean doing things being subjective to you know not doing good things he's doing stuff like touching the ball but it's still Lamar who's going to be the one who's carrying the ball the most of anyone there and it's going to be the same with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia it kind of makes those backfields pretty useless to tell you the truth Zach Moss was a healthy scratch so we got more Zach or Matt Breda in that Saints game maybe it was an injury maybe they don't like Zach Moss anymore so keep eyes on what's going on with the Buffalo Bills backfield but again that's not a backfield that you really want to invest in whatsoever Travis Homer and Rashad Penny both out for Monday Night Football Alex Collins and DJ Dallas will be the primary backs for the Seattle Seahawks Collins when they're winning and on the ground DJ Dallas when they're passing that seems to be the blueprint for the Seattle offense hence why when I put the game Washington beating Seattle that in those optimal lineups uh, that it would there was a lot more DJ Dallas than there was for Alex Collins if you think that the Seahawks are going to win I mean you probably don't want to play a Seattle running back anyway in the showdown or even in terms of props maybe if you can find some good props on DJ Dallas receiving yards or even receptions if it's pretty low. I didn't see anything out at DraftKings Sportsbook as of this recording, but that's something that you could potentially go take a look for. Uh, Trey Sermon got banged up for the 49ers, but again, it was all Elijah Mitchell out of the backfield. Jamichael Hasty also missed the game. Ingram and Kamara both missed the game for the New Orleans Saints, so it was Tony Jones doing a whole lot of nothing 
but it was a whole lot, a whole lot of nothing. They gave him the ball a whole bunch. It was not effective in the slightest. So hopefully one of those two guys can return for week 13, but we'll see how that ends up going forward. And once we get, yeah, Jeremy McNichols actually yeah, was out again for the Titans, allowed Dontrell Hilliard to really get going on the ground. Issue is now that if McNichols is back, what does that mean for Hilliard? And now Tennessee is on bye week this week. You have Cleveland, Green Bay, Tennessee, and Carolina on bye, which again makes the Amir Abdullah thing a little bit dicey year because you would expect McCaffrey to be back after that bye week you know what I'm saying so uh, when we talk about the waiver wire pickups for the week at running back it's Alexander Madison any competitive league he is owned in already but I went and searched he's like 37% owned because people are dumb Uh, if he's somehow available in your league you probably want to go get a guy who's going to be a top 10 back well Dalvin Cook is out easy stuff. Boston Scott at number two, if Miles Sanders is actually hurt, although Jordan Howard might end up coming back. It's not a great situation on the waiver wire this week. Amir Abdullah in the off chance that McCaffrey misses time. Jamal Williams in the off chance that Swift misses time. Tevin Coleman seemed to be the biggest benefactor of Michael Carter's absence. You figured it would be Ty Johnson, but one thing that we learned about the Jets with Zach Wilson is they love throwing picks. That's one. Uh, Number two, he can't check down to running backs, like, at all. He threw that one to off of Tevin Coleman's back that was a pick, which is one of the worst interceptions that you'll ever see. But even every time that they tried to target a running back in the flat, it was just zipped over the guy's head. Like, there's no touch when it comes to Zach Wilson. Guy has arm for days. But the accuracy, not great. And, like... You can just tap the X button, man. You don't need to hold down the X button. You don't need to be Brett Favre on every single throw. You you can just toss it out there to a guy if they can catch it. I mean, give them a chance to catch it. Just don't make horrible throws. That really kills a lot of the value that we were seeing from the Jets' backfield was all these dump-offs from Mike White or Joe Flacco or even, hell, Josh Johnson for in that Colts game. It was just like, hey, there's Michael Carter. Let's throw to him. Hey, there's Ty Johnson. Let's throw to him. It was great. Uh, We're not getting that. At this point. So with the Jets backfield, Coleman played 47% of the snaps, did most of the work on the ground. Austin Walter ended up playing. I mean, I had never heard of Austin Walter. I don't think that I was alone in that. He played 24% of the snaps. He had a ton of red zone work, which was really odd. Then he had Ty Johnson play 33% of the snaps. It's going to be tough to trust any of these guys moving forward, at least before when they were getting those receiving floors, it was great news. But now that they're not, they're kind of useless. So if you're going to have to play one, it's probably going to be Tevin Coleman. Uh, He is number five on the pickup ranks. DJ Dallas, number six. Dontrell Hilliard, seven. Jeff Wilson as the handcuff. Dante Foreman, Matt Breda. And then it's back into like the handcuffs again. You have Sonny Michelle, Khalil Herbert, Devontae Booker, Samaj P. Ryan. Now is the time to rid yourself of your wide receiver five and your wide receiver six or crappy running backs like... David Johnson and and guys that you're just legit never going to play, you are much better off with a defense for the playoffs with one of these handcuffs who, listen, if Madison was somehow dropped in your league the past three weeks, there's no reason that you shouldn't have picked him up because especially if you're on your way to the playoffs, because these backup running backs, you're not going to be playing. At least this guy is someone you would play should anything happen. And that's going to be the case with Sony Michelle and Khalil Herbert and Devontae Booker. We've seen it and Samaj P. Ryan. When these guys are thrust into that number one role, when the uh, starting running back goes down, like all of a sudden they're playable running backs. That's much better than like even 
Tevin Coleman's number five because you can play him in a pinch right now if you legit had nobody. You're dealing with injuries. These guys, you know, obviously they don't have a starting role, right? That's kind of for this week. But when you're looking for running backs, if you're just kind of coasting and don't need anyone, you're much better off having the high-end handcuff than you are like crappy running back number six on your team or wide receiver that you're just never going to play. That only makes a lot of logical sense. You need to start adjusting your teams for that right now. Full injury list will be updated in the newsletter um, once more information comes about. And the waiver wire pickup list is on DKNation.com right now if you're looking for it. Wide receiver, uh, we got a bunch of injuries here. Debo Samuel uh, has a groin injury. He exited the game. Looks like he's going to miss a few weeks, but it's not... It's not said to be super duper serious, so it looks like he will be back at some point. Maybe he'll they'll let him play receiver again and not just running back. We'll see. Randall Cobb exited with a groin injury. Curtis Samuels, questionable for Monday Night Football. He might go, but he also may be limited. A.J. Brown is now on injured reserve, so he's out at least another two weeks now on injured reserve. He joins Julio Jones on injured reserve, who's almost been out long enough that he can come back after the bye week if he is healthy enough to do so. Kadarius Tony and Sterling Shepard both missed week 12. They could be good to go for week 13. I would prefer Shepard when he is healthy over all Giants receivers as he's been their best one. Antonio Brown could be back in week 13 for the Buccaneers, but he once again missed, as did Anthony Schwartz. No word yet on what's going on with Calvin Ridley. Corey Davis missed the Jets game with a groin injury. Will Fuller still not playing with his finger for the Dolphins. Devontae Parker still on injured reserve. And the Dolphins have a bye week in week 14, so he may not even back to the fantasy playoffs. Not that you probably want him anyway, but the Dolphins have an awesome fantasy playoff schedule if you're projecting forward deandre hopkins should be good to go coming off arizona's bye week that would be nice ditto with aj green amare cooper cd lamb should be fine for thursday but we'll wait and see on that one and no word whatsoever on what's going on with Allen robinson for the bears but it's another 10 days off after missing thanksgiving with his hamstring injury so keep an eye out for him in the pickup category at wide receiver this week kendrick bourne is number one i mean i've been I'm not alone in being like having slept on Kendrick Bourne. He's now a top 15 receiver uh, over the past like two months or so. It just felt like he was doing it all with touchdowns and not a ton of yardage, but he's really developed him and Jacoby Myers, the one a and one B of that offense. And they're throwing a little bit more now and he's just open all the time. And we know what he can do after the catch. He's an excellent red zone presence with that big body. So Kendrick Bourne's number one, Sterling Shepard, number two, Van Jefferson, AJ Green and Marquez Valdez Scantling because Alan Lazard can't catch. Seems to be a real issue for Green Bay. Valdez Scantling, since Lazard both went down and then came back and then went down again and came back, he has more or less inserted himself as the wide receiver two in this offense since he has returned from injury. So number five, Marcus Valdez Scantling. Josh Reynolds, number six, is now like Detroit's wide receiver one, which is you know, not really saying much, but at least he's getting those targets. Traquan, Russell Gage, Rondell Moore, Tim Patrick, Juwan Jennings with Debo out at number 11. Nico Collins. Jennings almost had two touchdowns. He had the one, and then he had another target because Mohamed Sanu is out as well. He couldn't get the second foot down in time on the second touchdown, but still, that's where they were using him primarily was inside the red zone. So if you need a deep league flyer, uh, probably not something someone to just to throw on your bench to throw on your bench, but if you do need someone uh, in deeper leagues, Juwan Jennings is 100% unowned, so he's eligible to be picked up. Tight ends this week, uh, not good for all of us who are Riding Dan Arnold, because Dan Arnold's going to miss four to six weeks. Darren Waller, no word yet on the extent of his knee injury. Could miss some time. He might not miss some time. It's going to be practice reports this week to figure that out, because where it was Thanksgiving, the Raiders have been kind of out of sight, out of mind. But uh, obviously, he is a top five tight end, regardless of how good or 
poorly he performs just based on his volume alone. So keep an eye on Waller's status. Foster Moreau is obviously the pickup. Ricky Seals-Jones is going to miss Monday Night Football. Logan Thomas should be back and should be unlimited, but we'll see. You know, it's been a while since Logan Thomas has actually played in a competitive game. Adam Shaheen missed Week 12. Eric Ebron is going to be out extended time. And Kyle Rudolph missed Week 12 as well. That leaves the pickups with Foster Moreau at number one. Even if Waller ends up playing, just drop Foster Moreau for someone else at that point. But if Foster Moreau is the starter when Waller is out, he's going to end up being a top 10 guy this week in terms of the ranking. So that's a tight end that you probably want to have, especially if you're in the business of a Dan Arnold replacement. As much as I enjoy the Irish assassin, James O'Shaughnessy, probably don't want to be starting that guy. Uh, On DraftKings, he's $2,600 this week. That's not bad for your season-long fantasy lineup. Not the best. Cole, I'm uh, sorry, Foster Moreau, Logan Thomas, Cole Komet, Tyler, uh, Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzma. Hunter Henry has been far less effective since John U returned. Jared Cook and Evan Ingram at tight end. The QB streams for the week. I got Jimmy G at number one at Seattle. Seattle, much better run defense than pass defense. Teddy Bridgewater at Kansas City. Derek Carr at home against Washington. Conversely, on the other side of the field, Taylor Heineke against the Vegas. Uh, Tua at home against the Giants. Tyrod at home against the Colts. And Andy Dalton at home against Arizona. Not a great streaming week. And then when you look at the, the bye weeks, I mean, maybe you need to fill in for Cam, Rogers. I mean, you're probably, hopefully, put it this way, if you were playing Baker to this point, you're probably not in the playoff hunt, so not that big of a deal. Defenses, defensive streams for this week, if you're looking for it. Uh, I do have the Colts at Houston. They were dropped on mass because they played the Bucks this week, so they could potentially be available in your league. The Vikings at Detroit, 49ers at Seattle, Ravens at Pittsburgh, because Ben looks washed. And then you have the Dolphins at home against the Giants, Cowboys at the Saints, and then Giants at the Miami Dolphins for streaming defenses for week 13. But if you're looking for week 15 to 17, and I have this listed out both in the newsletter and my column of the rankings because you can see all their opponents too because not everyone is going to have three great matchups in terms of a streaming defense throughout the fantasy playoff sometimes you know you're going to need to have a mix and match type feel but the 49ers have by far the best schedule both for like jimmy g in terms of being like a streaming quarterback if you like have crappy quarterbacks pick up jimmy g and play him 49ers defense uh from even this week and then moving forward all very good in the fantasy playoffs weeks 15 to 17 the 49ers go at home against Atlanta, at Tennessee, at home against the Texans. You're not going to beat that. Pick up the 49ers now. Stash them on your bench. Dolphins at home against the Jets, at the Saints, and then at the Titans. Three very good matchups. Now, it gets a little bit dicier. The Jags are actually pretty good. Problem is their defense kind of sucks, but they're at home against Houston, and then they're at the Jets. Then they're at New England. Probably don't want to play them against New England. But weeks 15 and 16, good matchups. The Titans... At Pittsburgh, at home against San Francisco, and then at home against Miami. Pittsburgh's a good matchup. The other two are like median matchups for fantasy defenses, so that's more for deeper leagues if you're looking for it, uh, like in 14, 16-team leagues uh, with the waiver wire being a little bit more sparse, that the Titans should be available because no one played them against New England, and now they're going on bye week. They were probably dropped if that was the case. Seahawks, uh, you don't want to play them against the Rams in Weeks 15, but then they have Chicago and Detroit in Weeks 16 and 17. Those are pretty good. The Saints play Tampa in week 15, but then go Dolphins and Carolina. Hopefully the Saints defense can be back to full strength by then, which in, then it's really good. Uh, if it's a defense that we've been seeing the last two weeks, not so good with all those injuries. But if they can get themselves healthy, they are another ones that are sort of off the radar at the moment that uh, if you're struggling with mixing and matching at defenses, the Saints could be available. But it really is the 49ers, both at quarterback and defense that you should really be planning for in the fantasy playoffs this year. 
You guys have heard me talk about Beam before. They're the functional wellness brand founded by former pro athletes that make products to help you pursue your better and push the boundaries of what's possible, like not being hung over as much, take some Beam the night before, wake up in the morning, feel great. It's fantastic news. But for now, are you ready? for the best sleep that you've ever had because I am not someone who gets a great sleep. I'm not going to lie to you, but the Dream Powder Hot Cocoa now comes in white chocolate peppermint just in time for winter. It's triple lab tested and has the ultimate sleep-promoting ingredients, nano-CBD, reishi, magnesium, melatonin, other stuff, which I actually have no idea what it is, but I tried it and it helped me sleep really well. And listen, I've been trying to have the best sleep of my life and this is pretty close. And as someone who has trouble sleeping, it has been fantastic for me. So it should be pretty fantastic for you as well. White chocolate peppermint dream powder only lasts for a limited time. So get it while it's hot. And it's great news. If you subscribe now, you can also take advantage of Beam's best sale of the year for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. You'll get 40% off the first three months of a Peppermint Dream subscription, plus a free mug and a frother, or 20% off a one-time purchase. Again, this is Beam's biggest offer of the year. And just like this new flavor, it's not going to last long. So head to beamorganics.com slash mayo. That's B-E-A-M organics.com slash M-A-Y-O for 40% off the first three months of Peppermint Dream subscription, plus a free mug and frother, or 20% off a one-time purchase. Pause or cancel at any time. You're really going to enjoy it. At least I assume you're going to enjoy it as much as I have enjoyed it in my sleep. Really does thank Beam Organics. Beamorganics.com slash mayo. All right, let's switch into golf uh, very quickly because it's a pretty crappy event for this week. But if you're looking for more football, Pete Overzet should have his... Week 13, early look at the DraftKings slate out on Mayo Media Network already. And once again, if you're watching it before Monday night, the Monday Night Football preview with Laquan Jones is already out. I'll be back with Jake for the rankings debate on Tuesday, and all my rankings will be out on Tuesday morning. But we have the Hero World Challenge Tigers event at the Albany course in the Bahamas. It's 7,414 yards, par 72, and we've just seen sort of an eclectic mix of winners at this course over the year. It was not played in 2020, and the year before that was the really famous Patrick Reed cheating in the bunker year, which he didn't end up winning. Henrik Stenson won that year. So you've seen Bombers play really well at this course. You've also seen really short, accurate Irons players do really well at this course. So it's kind of hard to get a feel for who's good. And oh yeah, there's no one in this field. It's a 16 person field, I think. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Oh, 20 man field. It's better than I thought it was going to be to tell you the truth. Uh, here's the bet. Patrick Reed, 40 to one. Good enough for me. Uh, he got caught cheating that year or whatever the hell that was. And you know, I was hoping that he would end up winning. He came second to Bubba Watson in 2015 at the Albany course as well. It's been played here since 2015. So your winners have been Stenson, Rom, Fowler, Hideki, Bubba. Like that's sort of an all over the map type thing. The it just it's too much value on Reed for this short of a field. I don't quite understand uh, why that's the case. Uh, I guess people are just really anti Patrick Reed right now. He did just come second in an island event, and that was a full field event uh, at that point too. Now a very stacked field. Obviously, this field is way better than that one, but it still only has twenty people in it versus having hundred and thirty two players in it. Uh, it's a listen. It's a completely loaded field. Um, 
when we're looking at the overall odds, Rory and Morikawa are the two betting favorites at plus 750. I'd probably take Morikawa again in this spot. He just won the over, he just won the race to Dubai, outlasting Rory McIlroy over there. We've seen Justin Thomas had a lot of island success over the years. He's nine to one, but I think Havond at DraftKings Sportsbook probably presents your best value at the top of the board at 11 to one, solely because well, it's past Palom grasses. I think I think that's what it's going to be in Bermuda. Actually, if it's in Bahamas, listen, I don't know what the grass type is this week, but I. Island golf, Mexico golf, that has been the jam for Victor Hovland, uh, and he comes in playing really well. He just won Mayakoba, so that's probably where you want to see it. It's really hilarious to see Xander Shoffley at 12-1 to 1 in this 20-person field, considering that at, like, 156-person events, he's, like, 10-1 to 1 against much lesser competition. It's just kind of funny to see, like, when you shake everything up. There's not a ton of value in this. There's not a ton of value in terms of playing the DraftKings game this week, because there's only so many lineup combinations that you're going to make, but Patrick Reed just seems, I don't want to say he's like stealing uh, at 40 to one in most spots. He's 30 at DraftKings Sportsbook. You can do better than that, to be perfectly honest with you. But that just seems like a really bizarre number to go to, and especially because any style can kind of win here. It's are you hitting your wedge as well? Are you making a ton of putts? That's the entire game this week. Can you play well out of the sand? Because there's a ton of sand around this course as well. And like Rom has won and finished second uh, each of the past two times has been played. He's not even playing this week. So it's completely wide open. Uh, listen, there's no read that Reed and like Henrik Stenson should be like near the same odds, but Reed is closer to Stenson, who's like kind of washed at this point. He may, maybe he ends up making a comeback. Who knows? He just doesn't seem to have it right now. Uh, so Patrick Reed is the kind of the auto bet for me. I know I'm not going to be alone on that. And listen, I don't think that Patrick Reed is going to win this event. It's not like, hey, pick one guy. No odds. Who's going to win? My answer would not be Patrick Reed. But when you put 40 to one next to his name in a field at 20, going to take Patrick Reed in that situation and watch my money burn or maybe collect in. We'll see. It's just too long of odds to have. I'm not sure what's going on with DraftKings for the week. You can go on to fantasynational.com once the pricing is released and you can make your lineups there. I'm probably not even going to play this week, to be perfectly honest. I just don't care enough about this tournament. It's nice to have some golf on during the afternoon on a Thursday and Friday as something to watch on TV, but this is a hit and giggle event. It's hard to determine which guys are there just to kind of hang with their families and enjoy a vacation versus who's there to actually win. There's no world rankings points involved. There's no FedEx Cup points involved. It's just kind of a cash grab. And maybe Tiger will be there. That'll be the interesting thing to see. Obviously, he's not playing, but he might be there. It's his tournament, obviously. So, you know, if we get some Tiger in the booth, that'll be nice to see. I want to hear from Tiger. I'm excited to see what 2022 brings for Tiger. If he's able to come back and play at all, maybe he can come back as early as the Masters. Who knows at this point? I'm looking forward to having this little break from golf. Uh, and then over the course of Christmas time, we will be able to do our draft show, do our preview shows, then really get back into the full swing of things. Like golf will be gone just long enough that I'll start missing it again. And then the shows will be fired up. Me and Feinberg will be back on Mondays talking about golf every single week. And then we'll still have the football shows to go on. January is a great month for the Pat Mayo experience because of the golf and football crossover when golf actually means something. And it's not just playing out the string of the swing season events. So I'm looking really forward to that. Uh, bad news about the European Tour. Oh, well, I guess it's now the DB World Tour, but the two... Well, the, the event this weekend got shortened down to 36 holes because of the new COVID variant outbreak. People just took off and then they canceled the tournament. So there's supposed to be two DB World Tour events in the next two weeks in South Africa. They are now Sunshine Tour events and most of the good players have just... They're gone. They are not playing anymore. So, um... Uh, 
Tom and Sky will not be covering those. They might do some Challenger Tour like preview stuff for the upcoming season, maybe some DB World Tour stuff about sleepers, a lot like Jeff and I do for the PGA Tour. So check out Tom and Sky on that show. Once it kicks back up again, you can find it on Mayo Media Network. Uh, That's going to do it for the show this week. Actually, no, it's not. I have my uh, life advice segment. Totally forgot about that. Let's see if I can find it here. Where is the question on the life advice? Here we are. Uh, Josh asks, uh, what are your tips on starting running and cardio and working out? I have a treadmill at home. He says, uh, stay at home, dad, uh, to a preemie infant. I hope everything's going well with that. That's terrifying stuff. So we can't go to the gym right now. Just figured you'd have some good tips. Well, after doing a lot of isolation workouts at home, if you have a treadmill at home, uh, you're way ahead of the game. Uh, step one is just start moving every single day. That's really the trap that a lot of people fall into. I've found at least, like I know that when I start gaining weight, and I've told the story a few times, is that when I lived with Cody Saftik, him and I were roommates when we worked at Fantasy. And we lived about a kilometer and a half, so like a mile away from the office. So we would just walk to work to and from every single day. Hell, I'd even walk back during lunchtime sometimes and just make food at my place, then walk back to work. And then I ended up meeting my wife. I moved in with my wife, which was across town, so I was no longer walking to work. I'd either take an Uber or I'd take a streetcar the entire time. Uh, You know, if it was, you know, If I had a late start that day and I woke up early enough, maybe I would walk the 50 minutes to work. That was not a regular occurrence when I lived there. But just the move from, like, you don't really think of it because it takes 10 minutes to walk or whatever it is to walk to work. And just losing the to and from every single day, that once a day. I mean, like, what's two kilometers? It doesn't seem like anything. You can walk a kilometer super quickly or a kilometer and a half, whatever it might be. And just losing that every single day, I like, immediately put on 10 pounds. And I, was like, and I couldn't figure it out for the longest time what was happening. It's just this very low-level movement that I just wasn't getting anymore. I started walking up the stairs to our 20... Actually, we lived on the 23rd floor, so I started walking up 23 flights of stairs every day. Uh, Once I kind of figured out, it's like, oh, I actually need to do some exercise here outside of just the gym. But just even getting on the treadmill while you're watching TV, it doesn't need to be fast. You don't need to be doing hit exercises or running. When when you're trying to like cut down to have like a six-pack, yes, you need to be doing that, then watching your diet and everything like that. But when it just comes to getting into everything, just... There's a part of the training that goes into, you know, working yourself up to a certain level when it comes to running. Uh, like I, I've been going through it now. I tore my calf just over a year ago, and it hasn't been until like the past two, three months that I've really started ramping up my running again. I've gone through a bunch of physiotherapy treatment. And I'm someone who used to run. Like I remember Ryan Hodge and I were talking about it when he came up to Toronto one time because he saw me just like pounding beers and eating a ton of wings. He's like, how do you stay thin? I was like, I run like three miles a day, like every day. Some days it's like five miles if I want to make up for it. But I was trying to get in 20 miles a week of like legit running at like between 7.5 and 9.5 on the treadmill. Uh, It was actually running outdoors, how I hurt my calf, which was weird. So now that uh, the treadmill is back in play for me, because I can go to gyms again after I've moved and everything, that my leg feels a lot better. But it took me a while to get up to that length. But the hardest part of the entire thing is you'll build yourself up over time. You're going to go to your comfort level, whether it's walking at 2.5 on a bit of, always use a bit of an incline as well, even if it's 0.5. Uh, I, you know, I would say put it to like 2.5 or, you know, 12.5, whatever it is. But even if it's 0.5 or one on the incline, just adding a little bit of resistance that way. I mean, basically one on the treadmill kind of mimics what you're seeing outside in terms of like different, it's just, 
when you run flat on a treadmill, it's flat. So the treadmill does a lot of the work for you. So just even boosting it up a little bit will really help. So I'd say just get on. But, but back to the overall point was just move your body every single day. And you're just going to start feeling a lot better. And you can do it during really weird times. Like I was thinking about getting a treadmill for my place or a Stairmaster or a bike or whatever it might be. Just because I'm, I mean, I sit on the couch like a slob watching TV. I can, you know, I could walk. You're not breaking like a huge sweat when you're walking at three on the treadmill for an hour and watching TV. And then you get into the routine of actually doing it for an hour a day so that when you do try to ramp up, you already know that you have that time allocated throughout the course of the day to go do that. But just getting off your ass and it, putting in those steps, whether they're strenuous steps, whether they're non-strenuous steps, you have no idea how much movement matters to your body and how much better you're going to feel once that's the case. Like I've been sick for like, fuck now, like, two and a half weeks. I still have a sinus headache right now. I don't know what is going on with me. Probably getting my flu shot in the middle of having like a cold was probably not the best idea because I was getting better. Then it was like, ooh, a dip. Now I'm coming back out of it again. At least my voice is back and my energy level is back. I just have a headache now, which is really weird. Uh, either way. Um, so I've been kind of like off and on with how much I'm doing. And there's some, listen, there's some good body weight exercises you can do at home. I have a bench just outside this room with those like weird adjustable weights. I didn't have enough room for a rack and they weren't really super available, at least during the course of the uh, pandemic and quarantine that was going on. It's like weights were like, you know, NFTs and Bitcoin. Uh, they were they were high commodity items and they got jacked up. So I ended up ordering like the two weights, which, you know, adjust from five pounds to each side to like 55 on each side. They're fine. They're a bit of a hassle to use, but, you know, just do a lot of light lifting there. You can add some resistance into everything. Uh, if you go onto Reddit, you can go to like a bunch of different uh, gym type threads and a lot of them have like intros and intro workouts that you can do from home or at a gym or whatever it is but like i said uh, if you have a treadmill at home just set it to three and start walking and then you know two weeks from now if you find that's a little bit too easy pump it up to 3.3 or 3.5 or adjust the incline on it you, you don't need to be a sprinter you don't need to be a marathon runner you just get out and start moving and you're just going to feel a whole lot better you're not going to melt pounds off by walking half an hour a day or an hour a day but you'll just get all the energy moving. You'll feel better and just, it's much better than sitting down. I'll tell you that much. Just a little bit can go a long way. Then your body gets used to the idea of you doing something for half an hour or an hour a day. And then when it comes to planning your day, you at least know it's like, oh, well, I can fit in an hour here or half an hour here when you do want to ramp it up and take it a little bit more seriously. So that'd be my advice. Just go in, you know, you don't need to go in with a personal trainer and, you know, put su such unrealistic goals on yourself. Go in with no goals, with the goal of, hey, I'm just going to do this for half an hour every day. Just go for a walk. And if I can't do it one day, I'm not going to stress about it. I'll just do it the next day. You don't want to hold yourself to the highest standards when you do this, especially when you first start getting it in. Maybe say, hey, I'm going to do this four out of seven days this week. Or maybe I'm going to try to do it three weekdays. Uh, if you have the time, sometimes life gets in the way and you can't do this. You're not a fucking Mr. Olympia. You're not a professional bodybuilder. Who cares uh, when it really comes down to it? But if you do want to feel better, that would be my recommendation of what to do. Thank you all for watching. Get in that draw for the Pat Mayo Experience audio giveaway, three giveaways of $100 in cash just by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Fiverr Star Review, something you enjoy, Twitter handle and email address, and you will be good to go for the draw. We're giving it away on the spread show, runthesims.com slash mayo for all the tools for the NFL, and to find everything, just hit up the newsletter uh, in the description right now. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience!